Hello everyone, indeed you are listening to Metanorn's Look Back at Katanagatari. This is the first in a series of podcasts we have planned for this show from 2010 to coincide with the Noitamina re-release this season. Hopefully we'll put one of these out every couple weeks to match the episodes that have re-aired to that point, which means we'll be talking about the first two episodes today. Uh, We'll also be avoiding spoilers for episodes that haven't re-aired yet, so don't worry if you missed the show the first time around. You can listen. This is Min with Jero, and, and uh, today we have a guest, Mr. Flawfinder. Hey guys. Hey. So, um, could you just uh, briefly tell us about yourself, uh, your, your blog, Twitter, where we can find you? Okay, my name is Mr. Flawfinder. I write for the anime blog Standing on My Neck at flawfinder.wordpress.com. You can find me at my Twitter handle at, at Mr. Flawfinder. And I, I'm pretty glad to be here. I write about the current running anime and some obscure anime, some that you don't ever want to watch. And yeah, I'm glad to be here. Uh, well, yeah, thank you for coming. So um, yeah, let's get right to it. So Katanagatari, what is it? So just a quick intro. It was originally a, a light novel series by an author named Nisio Isin. You've probably heard of him if you're big into anime these days because mm-hmm. he's responsible for writing Bakemonogatari, which is was kind of big uh, by Shaft a f- few years ago. And um, he's also responsible for Medaka Box, which is pretty popular manga. And it's actually, as we record, the last chapter is set to come out for that. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. It's it was uh, yeah, it's ending. So mm-hmm. yeah, so this um, was written in I believe 2009 over a course of well the entire year, and basically Nisio decided to do a challenge to himself where he would publish one volume of the light novel a month, the so 12 volumes in the year. Some people have said it, it was basically him doing NaNoWriMo which uh, is short for a National Novel Writing Month, November, it's something people Did he meet whatever the... Year. I'm sure he met whatever the word limit was. Uh, oh, actually, I doubt it, because the novels, each volume is relatively short. I don't okay. think he had 50,000 words in each volume. But anyway, so he released it over the course of uh, 12 months, and turns out that um, it's... Well, 12 is a pretty central theme in this uh, story, which... I think we'll talk about it a little later. Uh, by the way, sorry, it was 2007, not 2009, when I wrote this. Originally, an anime adaptation, or I, this ad- anime adaptation aired in 2010, which again followed a similar gimmick, releasing one episode a month. Each episode was an hour minus commercial. Yeah, it was a month-long wait in between each episode. So if you're watching it now, you know, obviously you can just get the entire show since it's out but if you yeah. if you're in japan and watching it on noitamina you're only waiting a week between episodes mm-hmm. which uh is uh i mean i must say i'm 
less maddening way of watching that yeah. show, I guess. Although, as as a guy that just watched it recently, I was mentioning to a friend about the difference between watching this series month by month versus the benefit that I had of just having all the files available to watch whenever I wanted to, and that with stuff like Helsing or Gundam Unicorn OVAs where there's such a long gap in between releases that especially with like Gundam Unicorn for me it's difficult to really remember the characters and the situation so much like something they put in episode 6 uh, the story so far where with Katanagatari you can watch it either way and I think the enjoyment level is still the same yeah that's um well, I guess we'll talk about it later. Right. But yeah, I found the gap between episodes, like having a long gap was actually pretty nice in some ways. But also, uh, so the uh, this anime is produced by White Fox, which you've you might have heard of recently. They've gotten famous for Steins Gate uh, 2011, uh, Gund last year, 2012. And this season, they're doing Hataraku Maosama, which mm-hmm. uh, is personally my favorite show this season, I think. We do not what? mention Tears of Tiara. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm not familiar with that show. And uh, also the music was by Taku Iwasaki, who was uh, famous for Gurren Lagann, uh, Bento, Jormungand, and Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. So if you've seen those shows, you might have a sense of what kind of music is in this show. A bit of hip-hop and mixed with, mm-hmm. I don't know, traditional Japanese style, I guess. Can I mention about the hip-hop? I always thought it was out of place in the show. Like, mm-hmm. the, the few moments they did underneath dialogue, it, it just uh, didn't uh, didn't tingle in my ear as well as, as you know, maybe you think it would. Yeah, I actually liked it. I, I guess um, it felt like the it was mixing the, you know, the modern style with the old traditional Japanese mm-hmm. music, which uh, I thought kind of fit well with the overall theme of the story of the show which uh, you know takes place in uh, old Japan I'm not sure exactly which era but mm. uh, also it still has a lot of these modern elements which uh, can't really go into too deeply okay so yeah this uh, show is getting a re-release on Noitamina I'll just say I don't think it really belongs on the slot but it probably fits about as well as any recent show on Noitamina before, which, if you don't know, Noitamina was designed as a uh, TV uh, schedule where they would show shows that uh, they think would appeal to people who are generally not considered otaku or mm-hmm. the, the average anime uh, fan. So, um, some famous shows that were on that and kind of fit, I thought, were like uh, Princess Jellyfish or uh, Tatami Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Name a couple. Yeah, I would I would yep. agree, and also for the other reason that it's robbing us of two shows we could be watching new, new shows on Noinamita this year, just uh, taking up a, a full spring season of essentially repeats of, of a show that people can buy in Japan or download and watch now. Yeah, I'm 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 a, I am a little puzzled by their decision to go with this. Uh, do you have any thoughts, Mr. Fluffwink? Wow. Automata, to me, like, it has been, it's been, I mean, they've, they still release cool stuff from time to time, but it's been going pretty downhill 
in my opinion, lately. I mean, with the the stuff they're releasing now, like they're trying to go into the more mainstream stuff nowadays, and it has not been turning. I mean, I'm I'm not quite sure how it's been turning out for them sales wise, but I don't think it's been turning out for them well for them viewer wise, and they definitely have not been clicking well with me at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Katana, I see the Katana got everything as like, well, I I just see it mostly as like. Natamina taking a break while they sort sort out their feelings and try to improve their quality. Mm-hmm. And why not why not choose like I'm not quite sure why they chose Katana Gottery. I mean it is it is a bit of an unusual show, I'll give it that. And I'm not but I don't know if I would I'm not I don't think I would classify it as like the main the mainstream stuff that Natamina usually avoids. But, yeah, it, it has a bit of an artsy flavor to it, just because yeah. its art visual style is uh, yeah. a, quite a departure from uh, most anime. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it's and but it, it but it's no worse than any other shows in on the slot in recent memory. Like I think I think it's got I think it's actually better than some of the shows we've been getting now. Like. I'm not. I may bother some people by saying this, but I absolutely hated Robotics Notes, and yeah, that that one severely disappointed me. And yeah, I think Katana Gattery. That yeah, I think I think Gattery would be like a good break to get away from my memory of that. Yeah, I think um, as you said, you, you called it a break, and that kind of makes sense because. Yeah, this it is one of the few shows that could take over both slots because Tamina has two 30-minute slots. So if they wanted to take a break, you know, they could have found two shows to replace it. But I guess it might be easier just to find one. Also, kind of, I guess this is not uh, necessarily related to Kafanagatari, but. Um, they chose to have new opening and ending themes. Uh, the opening by Supercell, which I don't know if there's something going on between Supercell and Noitamina, because this is the third show mm-hmm. where they've been featured as the, the artist on that slot. Uh, of course, there was Guilty Crown last year, uh, mm-hmm. which featured their music heavily. And then there was also Psychopass, which featured their music through Egoist mm-hmm. yeah, ending you themes. You almost wonder if there's some kind of contract involved with Super Saiyan <laughs> create songs for all these shows that appear on the time slot. Yeah, maybe. So it almost seems like this season, it's like, they're, they're here only just to sell songs. <laughs> True. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, that's, uh, so that's Katsunagatari at least, you know, or what's around it. So the actual show itself, uh, we're going to be talking about the first two episodes because uh, those are the two episodes that have already aired uh, by this point in the uh, Noitamina schedule. I'll just start off by uh, quickly summarizing them. Uh, Episode 1 is, of course, the introduction. It gives us the main characters, uh, Yasuri Shichika, who is 
the uh, current head of Kyotoryu, which is called the what the swordless swordsman. Yeah. Or it's yeah, he's it's basically a martial art that is designed to fight against swords. Mm-hmm. And also, and, they're really bad with swords. Right. That's uh, sort of yeah. That's revealed at the end of that episode. That uh, the reason that his father or his you know lineage decided to go into this martial art is because they're just really bad with actual swords. And there's Nanami, uh, Shichika's older sister, and the two of them live together on a secluded island. Or they used to live with their father, who died a year ago. And the story starts off when Togame, a strategist, and if you watch the official American Blu-ray, they call her the strategist, or she calls herself that because she designs stratagems.、Um, yeah, it's kind of a strange word. But anyway, she works for the、um, uh, uh, the, the term for yeah the shogun.、Uh-huh. Yeah, she works for the shogun, right? And、uh, she is there to recruit Shichika in her journey to collect twelve swords, twelve deviant swords, by、mm-hmm. this amazing swordsmith named、uh, Shikizaki Kiki. Basically, there's this myth that you know whichever side holds. Most of these swords will win whatever war or battle they're in. These twelve deviant swords each has、uh, some some special property about them, and they're spread out all over Japan. Their owners don't want to give it back, so Togame is on a journey to go through Japan and take them for the shogun. But she needs some help because she's a small, weak woman who is. Just not able to deal with all the strong, violent、mm-hmm. bad guys who are out to stop her or to get swords. Yep. And if I'm correct, she just stumbles across Shichika. Yeah. Initially,、uh, when they meet on the island, of course, she went to the island in order to find Shichika's father, but then,、um, you know, he's dead. So、mm-hmm. she decides to recruit Shichika because they're the same.、Uh, Martial art, and、um, basically she comes by, says, "Hey, you know, here's my offer. Come, and if you want to, you know, conquer everything, if you should join me." She just says, "No, I'm really not into that." And she says, "Actually, or then fall in love with me," and that's her offer to get him to join. And Nanami goes along with it, saying that he probably needs, you know, real-world experience. They have. Haven't、mm-hmm. seen any other human beings in a while, and basically the episode、uh, finishes when、um, Togame's、uh, the person who rode Togame to the island turns out to be one of twelve Maniwa Ninja who、mm-hmm. are who will be coming back in the show, and they are they're ninja and they each have some you know, special power. And they're also after the swords. So one of them、uh, basically、uh, disguised himself as a rower, came by and tried to steal the sword from Togame. He gets defeated by、uh, Chichika, and they head off on their journey. So episode one, they meet、uh, and they get the first sword, basically, which is、uh, called the Zetokana, which、uh, is the strongest sword. 
the specialty is that it doesn't break. That's it. it's deviance. Yeah, the the Maniwa guy um, kind yeah, of gets and, beat uh, up in a in a comedic way, more or less of uh, accidental instead of just Shichika's actual true strength. Yeah, so that had the scene where the Maniwa ninja he his special power is. Uh, disguising himself uh, as anything, so he pretends to be Togame. He literally ch- physically changes his body to look like her and goes to Shichika thinking he has him fooled, but then he attacks him anyway, or he, t- he attacks uh, who looks like Togame, thinking, well, not realizing that it is Togame, or basically the idea Shichika has been living on this island so long, he doesn't have the ability to recognize strangers. Mm-hmm. So even though it's a carbon copy of Togami coming after him, all he can see is that it's somebody coming after him. So he attacks her and, uh, yeah, ends up beating him up that way. But also, um, there's the whole deal where the ninja turns into, decides to take Shichika's body because he looks, you know, very fit, very strong. And then he attacks him with a sword, but then... Shichika is actually really no good at with the sword, so it slips out of the ninja's hands, and that's mm-hmm. when Shichika finally uh, puts the, the finishing move on him. Yeah, anything you want to talk about on the episode? Uh, let's see. I remember watching the first episode as it came out, and I was surprised that it was an hour because I hadn't seen that many preview notes or anything like that, and you know, it's the new season. You just download whatever you can watch, and and I remember just the, the first part, a lot of the exposition with Togami made the episode feel very slow, even though most of the second half was dominated by that fight versus the Maniwa Ninja. And it was it was an interesting episode, and, and the art looks nice. And, you know, you mentioned the other shows that White Fox has made, thinking back that maybe Katanagatari is probably their best animated show, best-looking show. But mm-hmm. there was something at the time that I just didn't have. It wasn't that I didn't dislike it. I just didn't have the drive to download episodes on a monthly basis. Okay. As for me, um, okay, I'm probably going to get some some comments about this, but I I didn't watch Katana Gairi when it was airing. Like I barely watched anime that that much even though I got into it pretty early. Like, I didn't watch many currently airing shows until late 2011. So, basically, when when I decided to finally go, go to Katanagari eventually, because a bunch of people have been saying good things about it, I didn't know it was Nisio Eason who wrote it at the time. And then I... So I downloaded it. I thought, I thought the, action, the action, like, at the beginning looked kind of cool. And I... I dug, like, say, the inv- the art and the environment. But then when they started spending 20 minutes or so on talking, that's when I start. That's when I decided, wait a second, who wrote this? And I realized who it was, yeah. and I'm like, oh, God, it's him. And except his dialogue isn't nearly as witty. Mm-hmm. And after a while, I was like, and then when the, like, the other ninja came. I thought, oh hey, maybe maybe this will be a fight now. Except they, and then they still started talking, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh god, did you have to put in every single piece of dialogue Nisio Eason wrote? 
Like, I, why do you why do you have that art style if you're not going to use it to show fights? It's very likely that um, they didn't use every single line that Nisiri's in. It's probably he probably went on much uh, longer and yeah. more dr dreary uh, in the uh, novels. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I definitely hear you. That actually, when it I watched this show in 2011 uh, in January because at, that was after the um, it, it had finished airing and mm -hmm. I was writing for a blog called Borderline Hikikomori at the time and we were talking about our year-end you know award post and oh you were writing for that blog yeah mm -hmm. yeah and uh, two of the our four writers were saying you know it has to be Katanagatari as you know show of the year it has to be and I was you know I, I just didn't have a frame of reference because I hadn't seen it so I decided to watch it really quickly um, and yeah if I wasn't feeling so obligated to watch it I might not have continued with episode after episode one because it is very slow or uh, maybe it's not that slow but it feels slower than it needs to be it's a mm -hmm. uh, you know 50 minutes uh, of almost of the episode and Barely anything happens, really, in terms of uh, the action. And as you s said, Mr. Flawfinder, it's a lot of talking. Uh, actually, more I, talking than Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I, I don't think I'd go quite that far, but <laughs> I think it has better uh, like speech to action ratio than that. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it's—I mean—it's to the point that uh, Shika actually calls out the ninja for just like going on and on and on mm -hmm. because uh, you know he's more just interested in fighting yeah as you said the art style is really beautiful i would say the when it's animated the animation's good but it's rarely really like animated mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. it's mostly you know people sitting and talking or looking at each other standing and talking at this point would you say uh what would you say you thought of the characters uh, jayra mm -hmm. do you any? Uh, let's see. I, I, I still felt like I had a lot to learn about Togami, but uh, Shichika, he was a pretty interesting character. Minami, I, I as we'll as we'll talk about throughout the series, I really didn't enjoy her character, and I thought she was kind of annoying. And even in the first episode, uh, Mr. Flawfinder mentioned the the dialogue in the show not really helping. And I think it took it took a little while to get into the groove to where I could actually enjoy some of the the characters and their dialogue together. Yeah, um, when I was uh, looking back through this episode, if you recall, the ninja himself, uh, Komori, mentions to Shichika that Togame is really not all she seems. That even though she's this very nice, charismatic woman, she holds some sort of deep, dark, I don't know, selfishness. Uh, inside that uh, he warns him about before you know, he gets killed. So, you know, there's definitely more to Togame than uh, meets the eye. She was in the cold open, which ha takes place way before, uh, which shows, you know, somebody getting his head chopped off. And uh, yeah, Shichika, I recall, just kind of, yeah, he's a very simple character, <laughs> I think. There really isn't that much to him. He's um, grew up on the island his whole life. Not the smartest guy, but 
very strong, very uh, capable, and yeah, that's why he was hired. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nanami, I'm, you know, at this point, I guess I was kind of uh, Nanami and Togami. I was kind of big fan of just because they were both uh, voice actors uh, in um, Higurashi. Togame is voiced by Yukari Tamura, who voiced Rika in Higurashi. Nanami it was voiced by Mai Nakahara, who voiced uh, Rena, Ryugo Rena, the one with the crazy uh, the butcher's knife in Higurashi. Um, I mean the cleaver. <laughs> yeah, the cleaver, sorry. You know, I had no idea what was going to come with her, but I guess I just liked listening to her. Yeah. What about you, Mr. Flufffinder? As for my take on the characters, I will say I like their concepts a lot. Like, strategist white ha- white-haired shorty who's a massive strategist. Although the fact that she's a little cl- she's clumsy is like, eh, really? That's. <laughs> but, and I did like I did like basically yeah I'm a fan of the uh, concepts of the characters, but their their banter was not doing a thing for me so yeah i basically i I was indifferent to them for the most part okay let's uh i guess let's move on to episode two and then we can talk about just both of them together So episode two is them takes place a month later, and they're going after an, another sword, the second one, called Zanto Namakura, which is uh, its gimmick is that it's the fastest sword. It back I think seven generations prior, it was a sword that was used to kill over ten thousand men by one warrior, because it, I mean it's revealed later that he had this technique of using the blade the blood of himself and his enemies to speed up the sword. The current practitioner, or the current owner of the sword, Kinkaku Umeri, is a swordsman who lives by himself in his town, which is starting to be desertified. It's already been deserted by humans because the desert is just creeping in. And he's stubbornly staying there. He keeps the sword. His Family's had it for generations, and um, he's quite the swordsman. He claims to be able to move the sword faster than light when he mm-hmm. really, uh, you know, goes all out with his technique. Uh, this also featured the second ninja, uh, Shirasagi Maniwa, who we didn't really get to see a lot of. He mm-hmm. had sort of a bird costume, and his gimmick was he talked backwards, but. Before he could show off any sort of fancy ninpo, he got sliced in half by the aforementioned Ginkaku yeah. while right in the middle of conversation. And nice. uh, I thought that was... Sir? Nice knowing you for a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was... Yeah. Uh, I was really like happy when that happened because... Uh, well, first of all, I was kind of tired of his whole talking backwards gimmick. And, mm-hmm. um, like One thing was, I was starting to notice... Uh, by this point that 
I feel it felt like Nisio was kind of being lazy or trying to do his best to like get fill the words in for you know getting it published in by the month it felt like he didn't either didn't have a lot of ideas or didn't have a lot of editing because he needed to get this you know written and mm-hmm. get it out within a month there was a lot of i thought meta conversation uh, like togame talking to shika about writing on their journey so you know there's this whole idea that this is writing that she put together that that these novels are chronicling her mm-hmm. journey of course oh, yeah. that's not how mm-hmm. that's not how it actually works because if you read the novels you know they tell stuff that she couldn't possibly have known but you know there's this feeling that she's sort of taking the place of the author kind of complaining about various things of mm-hmm. the story they make up catchphrase for Shika in this episode uh, but by that point you'll have been torn to pieces uh, <laughs> which uh, is one of many that they think of but um that he finally uses it for the first time at the end of this episode while fighting Kinkaku. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we, we haven't even mentioned Chirio. Oh, right, yeah. Chirio is uh, Togame's uh, catchphrase. She Did they mention in this episode what she was confusing it with? Or... I think that's a couple um... episodes later. Okay. But she believes it's some um, Western term for, I don't know, displaying energy, power. Mm-hmm. But yeah. she's confusing it with something else. But yeah, so basically Shichika and uh, Togame come to this town uh, trying to get the sword. He's not Ginkaku is not going to give it to him. So they fight, but turns out Ginkaku's sword is just too fast for Shichika. Uh, they have a couple of near misses. And then Shichika finds a way around uh, his technique. Basically, Ginkaku's um, mm-hmm. slashes are not very effective upwards, so Shichika uses Togame as a bouncing board to jump up to the ceiling and then mm-hmm. uh, knock him down from there. That's how they get the sword. Um, I thought a couple things, I was very glad to see him kind of kill off that ninja very quickly so that you know, it doesn't become another excuse to like do fancy wordplay and all mm-hmm. that, which I don't yeah. find that interested in the but also that um this was another episode where it was just a lot of talking and like one or two pretty fast but pretty decent action scenes at the end if, if i may just we were talking about the the art and how it looks good when it's animated and there's a lot of still imagery and that's kind of the case here because the battle that they have with ginkaku umeri is more of a strategy battle on Shichika's part and with a show that's starting slow do you really want a slow fight like that to follow yeah um right so even though the Zanto Namakura the gimmick is that it's the fastest sword Mm -hmm. results in some pretty boring battles because basically the sword is so fast that you can't see it before he sheets it um and it's all limited to one room where he sits and Shika can't get anywhere near him mm-hmm. because he'll just slice him if he gets close. So yeah, it wasn't exactly the most dynamic fight. It was just like one slash yeah. and it's that's it. Mr. Flawfinder, what did you 
something from the episode um, now. You told um, me that you you started episode three, but you dropped it in the middle of it. So clearly, this episode couldn't have been very um, couldn't have given you a positive impression. Um, it had like so it had like some things like I, I like some things in the first half, but then the second, but like when it went to Shichiko meeting Genkaku, that's when it started to. Well, first of all, the the first the episode started with like uh, Shichika trying to try on clothes, right? Yeah, <laughs> yep. Which I thought was just meh. Like then it got to the desert scene, which I I liked, which I liked okay. Like the the banter was a little more interesting. Mm-hmm. Although there was this there was this really funny se- there was this like really funny scene that isn't funny for the reason it thinks it is. It's what. It was basically when uh, Togame was saying, what if they get, you have to blah, blah, blah. What if the audience gets so bored that they stop reading? And I was like, <laughs> oh, wow, you're just asking me to drop you, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, that, uh, that was one of those you know, kind of meta jokes that I was like, uh, Nisio loves meta, but it's he really overdoes it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nisio, yeah. Uh, I was warned about that scene ahead of time, but I was still uh, laughing when it, that uh-huh. came up. Then uh, the scene, then when it got to uh, Genkaku, and then they just kept on talking again and again. And I do like the concept of a qu- of the fight being like a quick draw fight. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've seen, I mean, their d- duels back in the old days, you did that except with guns. Right. And uh, also like samurai and, movies, you know, they yeah. and, go at and, each other, and it's one slash. And, and I remember Kirby Superstar having a fun, having a quick draw game in that. So yeah, I like the concept, but oh god, they stretched it out so <laughs> long, and they just—it was like they just kept talking again. The same problems with the first episode, and that they just kept on talking and just delaying it, and I was. And basically, the only part of that second half I enjoyed was, well, the quick draw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I thought the, um, yeah, that quick draw in the end where he actually finally lands a hit on him was quite pretty. The like the shot of him, his kick going down like through his head was very, very stylized, and I thought very yeah. beautiful. And also, um, there was a kind of a funny scene earlier on when Shichika first devises a plan to uh, get oh, him yeah, to leave the room, which involves telling Togame to walk in there, uh, get sliced in half, and he can't leave the body just laying there, so he's going to have to pick her up and bring her out to bury him, <laughs> bury her, and that's when Shichika will come and attack him. And uh, it was... Uh, I mean, first of all, like, it's kind of silly that he's coming up with the idea, but also the way it was animated, just, uh, like, a super deformed... Uh, oh, yeah, the little uh, chibi... Yeah. Uh, the scene, that, that, yeah, that was, that, got, that was pretty yeah. funny. Yeah, Yeah, and I think, um, like I said, Nisio was really reaching for something in this episode, because I don't think he had that many ideas. Uh, so it was. It ended up getting yeah, really stretched mm-hmm. out. Maybe even more so than episode one. And yeah. um, but also I think you know the couple things that I noticed uh, in after the fact was um, yeah that uh, aforementioned chibi scene. It's kind of uh, 
shows the like the sense of humor the show has overall that it's um, it is you know pretty serious at times but also it takes itself uh, pretty lightly at other times and it it's very uh, feels very free to try these kind of off the wall animation uh, styles like that um, in a later episode I won't spoil it but you know they straight up rip off some uh, other media in in its art style for an extended action scene that looks very different from what the show actually does. And uh, on that note, also the music, I thought this episode more so than episode one really showed a lot of the kind of the modern sound of the soundtrack, the hip hop we mentioned before. That's not for everyone, but I think it also again showed that, yeah, this show is not it's not just like a traditional, you know, a samurai movie type thing. There's, and it's not just fantasy either. There's a bit of like, I don't know, a modern, I'm not really science fiction, but kind of a modern feel to it, I thought. You mean, you mean like what Quentin Tarantino does with his movies? I, I guess that's not a bad way of putting it. Um, I mean, Quentin Tarantino is really known for. How do you say rip off, ripping off other movies uh, and yeah, um, turning uh, rip off, homaging his dialogue, the dialogue he uses and right. the styles. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, he, I think he does it very well. Um, but yeah, there's this yeah feeling that it's this is a work that's uh, drawing from a lot of different uh, concepts that's not uh, not necessarily obvious from this set up yeah yeah the, like, like I like I said the conceptual idea I do like because and like nice I wouldn't say I I I mean I wouldn't say that I'm the biggest fan of Nisio Eason and all that but he does but he I he does have some pretty good ideas and I do I do like the fact that he's the closest thing I can think of to Tarantino in the anime world because I'm a diehard Tarantino fan. It's, but he's just not, he's just not clicking with me the same way Tarantino does. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I guess, um, what I will say is that, it, you know, having seen the whole show, I feel like Nisio had, you know, a plan for the story overall, and he probably had a good idea of how it would start. But then, you know, there was all this stuff in the middle that he wasn't, he hadn't fully fleshed out yet. And he had given himself, you know, this artificial deadline of one volume per month. So a lot of these ideas ended up being very half-assed. And I think episode two, in my opinion, shows that very mm. well. And yeah. um, uh, again, um, well, uh, I'm I'm always mixed. I'm always mixed when it comes to blaming like the original author for like how an anime turns out because it first of all the the production crew is the one who chooses it and they and they're the one who chose to like make it a 50 minute <laughs> 50 minute long episodes each and if they found and it's also their job to like fix any flaws with the original author's writing. Yeah, I, definitely. I don't want to give white fox a pass here i think uh, as you said i i completely so, agree the yeah so yeah basically yeah it's i mean yeah i do blame i do blame nisio for like quite a few things in his adaptations but 
They, but it's also the, the director is the one who chose to put all his lines in there, and like I said, maybe his works work better in the not as a novel. I don't, I don't know. I've never really read any of them. I guess uh, I'm not trying to like assign blame here or anything, but I, I feel feel like that's what happened, and that's why these um, early episodes, you know, often feel pretty half-assed, uh, but. <clears throat> then, excuse me. Yeah, would you guys feels- just say? Excuse me. Would you guys just say that it's a really difficult matchup between what Nisio writes and what anime adapts? You think that because there's just some way of Nisio's writing that it's not the easiest to adapt, and therefore some things come off the way that they do? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I don't know. I've I've uh, I've read a lot of. Nisio's works, none of... Well, I've read parts of the first volume of Katanagatari. I would say at least the Bakemonogatari that's been adapted, it's mm-hmm. a lot of... Um, I mean, Shaft basically recreated the show, the entire thing. All they did was take the lines and the plot, uh, but visually they just created its own thing for that show. It feels like White Fox's adaptation of this is... Um, much more of a standard adaptation than, let's say, Shaft's adaptation of Bakemonogatari, which kind of did its own thing visually. Uh, Katanagatari here, this is really just the same story told in animated form, as far as I can tell. They're not really doing any amazing visual gimmicks here. And yeah, unfortunately, that means that a lot of it has to stand on the strength of the writing, which, as we've mentioned before, is not the strongest. But I do want to say that even though you know there's a lot of half-assed stuff here, I think you know the core, the stuff that he's dropping here, are setting up for the things that he had planned for you know later volumes, later episodes. And I guess what I want to say is these first two episodes. You, you, if you've you know, I wasn't the biggest fan, and I don't think anyone here were. But I, I stuck with it because I had to, and it was supremely rewarding. And, you know, don't let these first couple episodes really um, get you down. They are a drag. If I had to, if I were responsible for making this anime, I probably would have tried to make more changes or, you know, do something differently. But it is what it is. You know, it, ha- it has these weak early episodes, mm-hmm. in my opinion. But it is dropping some important things here that you should pay attention to. And it is all setting up for you know, a really, really great story. That likes of which that I haven't really seen in uh, anime. So, you know, stick with it. I would agree. Uh, when I started watching it, it was given to me as, as a challenge from a friend. So I had to watch the 12 episodes, kind of what you just mentioned. And after watching the first two episodes, I think I watched them back to back. I wasn't necessarily rolling my eyes or thinking this is really dumb or this is... I did think it was pretty slow, but when a series starts off slow, as so many of them do, I always try to look for if there's some kind of payoff, if there's some kind of good build-up going on behind the scenes. And that's what I kind of felt with um Katanagatari and this is this is going to be dumb to say but for some reason watching Madaka Box before this kind of helped with 
<laughs> getting used to the ideas of the characters. Like, Madoka Box is far from Nisio's best work. Like, Monogatari <laughs> and this are much better, but for some reason watching that kind of helped me get into the vibe of the show. Honestly, I think watching Madoka Box would make you want, make you appreciate Katana Gairi more because of how much better <laughs> it is. I mean, seriously, poor Gynex is dead. Yeah. So, yeah, I haven't read Madoka Box, but I've watched the anime that's out, and I think, I mean, I can definitely see what you mean, Jero, about the characters. He recycles a lot of the ideas for mm-hmm. the uh, in, for the various powers that the abnormals have, along with. The, uh, the ability is that the ninja have, as well as some you know other mystical characters in this. So, Mr. Flufffinder, I'm I'm telling you, I think you should keep watching this. I think you'll like it. Um, well, I, it's not. I I mean, I my my anger towards its like slowness has decreased over time, and if unfortunately like time is tight on my end, I, there's like a massive backlog, but. I I'm, I might return to Katana Gallery someday, especially since I kind of marked, I kind of, I recently, no, not recently, but I'm, I found a White Fox show I disliked even more, and I don't <laughs> want that to be, and yet I somehow finished that. Really? So, which, which one? Uh, okay, again, I'm probably not, I'm probably going to get some dislike for this, but I hated Jormungand. Yeah. Uh. Okay, I, I didn't hate Jormungand. I well, I thought it was mediocre to bad, but uh, I would definitely agree that this is a not as or that is not as good a show as Katanagatari. Yeah. Yeah. And I hate to be this guy to kind of spoil or tip Jormungand, but the ending to that show was atrocious and destroyed any goodwill that had built up with me throughout the series. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's like the that's like the opposite of Katanagatari. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I the fact that I finished that and not Katana Gallery somehow leaves a sour taste in my mouth. I mean, to be yeah, fair, you need to, yeah, I, I you was need to watching get it your, yeah, You need to get your money's worth from White Fox. They've yeah. they've done you a disservice. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, I probably would have stuck with Katana Gallery more if I had watched it while it was airing because Jormungand I did watch while it was airing, so it's easier mm-hmm. to watch it that way. But yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe when I get some time and I f- find the find get the motivation, I'll get back into it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not one of them, but episode three for a lot of people was like a turning point where it actually, you know, people thought it became good after this episode. I didn't think it really became good until episode seven, but you know, that's just me and episode three itself i thought was the first really good episode it's a very good well episode. well like i said i do like the concept uh more more so than more so than bake monogatari because he's collecting they're collecting swords instead of collecting girls <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i do so yeah i do want i do want to like it but yeah i'll like i said i'll give it another shot someday all right yeah any other thoughts episodes or I mean I think I've said all I want to about that you know I don't want to spoil anything besides the first two episodes just because mm-hmm. you know, I, I can't I don't have anything too specific be- beyond what I already said alright yeah it seemed like on the whole we were 
generally critical of the first two episodes, but we promise listeners it does get better. I yeah. swear! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, so it gets better, I swear. That's, I guess that's the theme of uh, our first episode of this podcast. Yeah, that so. can be our catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you again, Mr. Flawfinder. Thank you for having me. Um, again, you can find him on his blog, Standing on My Neck, which is flawfinder.wordpress.com. He's on Twitter, Mr. Flawfinder, all one word. And um, yeah, for Jero, uh, I'm Min, and uh, thank you for listening. Katana.